Why Not Listen to a Show from Snackerik in Oost, also available on podcasts, on Spotify. Lie back and relax. Good afternoon, this is Snackerik in Oost on Radio Nova. My name is Mac and I am today in the studio with Barbara. Hello, hello. Hello, Barbara. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm trying to locate where the ventilation is because I hear it. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. It's not from the original place. Oh, there it is. And so and so today, um, yeah, we're feeling fine. We're feeling um, quite warm in this studio. We're feeling uh, like it's Dubai in here. And um, we close the shutters, we close the curtains, and we close the ventilation system now. So wish us luck. Uh, yes, and we are going to talk a little bit random today. So we have yeah. a, a topic from you. Do you want to? Yeah, we're explain? going to be talking about the Orestia. It's a Greek myth um, from the 5th century B- BCE. Uh, so it's in three books. So I'm going to just like review what's going on, what it is about. And that's mm-hmm. going to be it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come with some random random saying, random fact, talk a bit about rave season, because it is rave season now, people. Woohoo! So um, it's time to go out, seize the opportunity, because it's really good weather. And uh, rave season is uh, all over Oslo. Mm-hmm. Have you been to a rave before? I no, no. actually never. I don't think I've been to raves. Um, I had the chance last night to go to one and I didn't see it. Change of plan. Uh, but uh, that happens. That's nice. I think I would like to go to some Hive Lake in the countryside, some good music. But I'm afraid that it would be techno music because I'm not such a fan of that. Yeah. So, yes, it would mm. be more like techno or house or drum and bass. It depends of the yeah. DJs. Mm-hmm. It's usually quite a few DJs playing in one night. So it's different sets. Okay. And then uh, it's generally well organized um you have a facebook uh, you just have to kind of follow on facebook groups mm-hmm. and it's very mysterious until the last minute sometimes you have to uh, give your name and phone number and then you get a text when it's happening okay um it could be easy like the the regular location in oslo would be big day okay on the island uh, you can usually see them during the day when you go there to sunbathe that they're setting up something oh that's interesting uh, it could be Ekeberg, mm-hmm. which is also a very common one because of the woods. Um, it could be... like Yesterday, there was also at uh, uh, Sofienberg uh, oh, Park. Oh, really? Yeah, there were people dancing in the park uh-huh. all night. That's it festive. Lo- yeah, it looked pretty good <laughs> in the middle of it. But usually, it's a bit hidden. It's a bit uh, last-minute message about it. Mm. And fairly safe. Uh, very concerned about the environment. Yeah. Also, you shouldn't mm-hmm. litter, and I mean, because it's technically also not quite legal to rave around, apparently. But oh. um, yes, so they're very conscious about that. They make sure they tidy up. Um, I would avoid the ones in the um, caves and stuff like that. You know, like yeah, that the, doesn't sound too safe. Yeah, a little so, fishy. Um, uh, think a little bit, and uh, like there was an incident last year where there was um, some gas in that uh, uh, old uh, bunker or ventilation, Ooh. whatever area in Oslo, and okay. there was some uh, poisonous gas, and um, a lot of people had to go to hospital because they, it wow. got into their lung, and then it's not easy to clean up, so it's very dangerous. Oh my! You can die. 
Um, no rave caves. No rave caves. <laughs> Unless it's like uh, one on a beach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, you have to think about that. And um, uh, I think, it, was it in Paris? I saw some pictures. I mean, that was unrelated. But to, yeah, I think it was in Paris. I saw something about you had to... Uh, go into the one of the hole one of, in the ground, you know, um, mm-hmm. what you call it, a sewers system. Yeah. Okay. And then just uh, like uh, crawl into a very, very small tunnel, like one meter. Oh. And then you end up in this big room and they were saying, yeah, it's fantastic. But mm-hmm. if something happens, you can't run away. <laughs> I feel like I saw some videos of that. Right? Actually, yeah. I saw something on Ooh. Facebook. Yeah, I really think I saw some videos. So think twice, people, before you go somewhere. You know, if you don't see a, an easy exit, maybe just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't be claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Do you want to open up on a sure. on topic for a little bit? Okay, so we're going to talk about the Oresia today. So basically what the Oresia is, uh, we just focus on Orestes. Uh, which is the son of King Agamemnon and Queen... Uh, oh, I already forgot her name. Um, Maybe I can find it for you afterwards. Yeah, I'm, yeah, anyways, he's the son of King and Queens, right? Uh, and it is said uh, at the end of the Trojan War, so when Agamemnon, who went there and set sails... Uh, over there, he was able to come back victorious with a new wife and some drama uh, started there. So it is a play. Uh, actually, it is three plays, the Orisia. Uh, first of all, the first play is called Agamemnon. Then the second one is Libation, uh, Libation Bearers. And this, uh, the third one is the Humanites. Um it was written by Aeschylus, I'm not mm-hmm. sure of the pronunciation, uh, in 458 BCE, and it was performed uh, later on in Athenian theater. Uh, it's a tragedy. Yeah, it's a very so. famous one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I studied theater, and okay, uh, yeah. uh, we didn't get this book, but uh, the other class got uh, Agamemnon, and mm-hmm. they, they had to do that. I just remembered the name of the wife. Yes. Uh, it's uh, Clytemnestra. Yes. Very Greek <laughs> name. So, okay. So, what it is about. So, basically, you have the Trojan War happening. So, I'm not going to go too much into that. It's like a 10-year-long war uh, because... Paris abducted Helen of Sparta and people wanted to have her back. And the reason why Agamemnon went to this war was because Helen of Troy is his sister uh, or Helen of Sparta at first. Um, So he went there. Um, And what really caused the drama when he came back to uh, his uh, own kingdom was that to be able to go to Troy and be victorious uh, after 10 years uh, was that the gods told him, if you want to be able to set sails, if you want to have the winds on your side, you're going to have to kill your daughter. Wow. Sacrifices, eh? Sacrifices. We're starting there. So it was not such a happy... It was not really welcomed uh, by Agamemnon's wife, Clytemnestra. She was like, you're not going to kill my daughter. 
But if the God says you have to do it, you have to yeah. do it. Back in the days, you exactly. don't joke with the gods. Exactly. So Agamemnon did so. The daughter dies. They're able to set sails. He goes for Troy. He comes back and he comes back uh, with his new wife or so. That's uh, Cassandra, which uh, was this woman that was able to see the future, but was never able to convince anyone of what was going to happen. So kind of a lousy power. Mm. So they come back and their comeback is said in the first play, which is Agamemnon. And in the first play, what we have is the murder of Agamemnon by his wife. Uh, so he comes back and she at first seems rather welcoming, mm. although she kind of hints that it's not going to go the way that Agamemnon wishes that it would go. Yeah. She's going to tell him, I cried many tears I don't have anymore. I am all dried up, mm. um, everything. And he's like, oh, you missed me. And she's <laughs> like, you killed my daughter. <laughs> so they're not a quite. little confused not there. Uh, and she had... Uh, made him uh, because there was a thing that women that were waiting for their husbands were going to make like these like tapestries uh, waiting for them. Uh, We had that with Penelope and uh, Odysseus Mm -hmm. uh, as well. Uh, So um, Clytemnestra, she did that too. I was talking earlier about this tapestry that Clytemnestra made, Mm -hmm. which is a crimson tapestry. So it's supposed to be symbolizing the blood that Agamemnon shed. So in his head, it's like, oh, it's all the blood from the enemies. Like, I'm the king. I did that. And he's walking on there. And it's like right before entering like his palace, Mm -hmm. he's going to be walking on crimson tapestries. Um, And Cassandra, she's not really feeling it. She's like, I don't really want to go in. I don't want to. I'm going to get killed. Like, you should not either. Agamemnon, he's like, whatever. Because she's not to be believed in whatever yeah. she predicts. Um, actually, the Crimson is, yes, for the blood of everybody that he killed during the 10-year war. But it is also for the blood of the daughter he yes. killed before going. And with this idea that's going on, Clytemnestra was the one being like, Crimson, we're going to make a tapestry. She had servants helping her out. And she had also Agamemnon's enemy helping her uh, because she uh, ended up in those long 10 years uh, having him as a lover as well. So both of them were plotting the death of Agamemnon, her for uh, her daughter's sake, mm. and him because of his father who was humiliated by Agamemnon and then left to die alone. Okay. So everybody has a lot on their plates. Yeah. Agamemnon, revenge. Exactly. So Agamemnon is walking in, uh, followed by Cassandra, and when they're at the most vulnerable, they're about to take a bath, then uh, Clytemnestra arrives, kills Agamemnon with an axe, kills Cassandra, everybody dies. That's where we're at. Okay. So. uh, (laughs) It's a lovely story. It's a lovely story. Bedtime story. Yeah. Um, So that's basically what is happening only in the first play, which is called Agamemnon. And Mm. which is kind of ironic that it's called that uh, as it actually shows the murder and how it is conducted by uh, Clytemnestra, it would have been more logical to be called Clytemnestra than Agamemnon, who's just yeah. like dying over here. But but he's the reason why. But he is the reason why. Um, but people are wondering because people are like uh, thinking that 
Agamemnon killing Iphigenia, which was the daughter that he killed, wasn't as bad as Clytemnestra killing her husband, because back in the days, if you murder a man, it's kind of worse than if you murder a woman. So it's like, mm, we're going to have to do something about that Clytemnestra woman who did something so terrible, mm. whereas the other one, he just killed a woman, like, you know, and also the gods told him to do so, whereas Clytemnestra, she did it just out of herself, yeah. basically. And then we go on to the second play, which is Libation Bearers. So this one uh, starts uh, with a seven-year gap. So seven years go by and nothing really happened. Everybody's kind of happy. But Clytemnestra wakes up from a terrible nightmare. And she dreams that she's giving birth, birth to a snake. And she's like, ooh, this cannot be good. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's the god. They're not happy with me. I feel like something is going to happen to me. And she's not wrong about that. So because she has this terrible feeling and she feels like it's because of what she did to her late husband, she sends her second daughter, which is Electra, to offer libations uh, to the gods onto her late husband's tomb. So there goes Electra listening to whatever she's told and she goes there. And once she reaches the tomb, she meets her brother, uh, um, Orestes. Mm-hmm. Orestes has not been seen in years. Since he was like a young child, he was sent away and in exiled for years and years. And he recently comes back. We don't really know why, but he's there. And he's, he's at the tomb of his father and he's like, what happened? And then he learns that his mother did this. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get her. <laughs> That's his plan. So he uh, gets uh, Electra to be in confidence with him and he tells her that he's going to dress himself as a traveler and he's just going to do that and get into the castle this way. So he does so and he arrives in front of his mother and he, she cannot recognize him. She doesn't know uh, who he is and he uh, tells her that Orestes dead which is a big lie because he is Orestes. And she's like really sad. She's super shocked about this news. Mm. Uh, but she eventually lets him in, this traveler that nobody has heard of before. And as he's let in, he finds uh, um, Clytemnestra's hus- like new husband, uh, the guy who plotted the murder of yeah. Agamemnon with her uh, in the last play. And he kills him because he wasn't guarded. He was alone chilling. So he's like, okay, this is my yeah. time to go. So he kills him, Clytemnestra sees him, and she starts to attack him back. But at that, Orestes take on like the power, and he is about to kill his mother. He has a second of doubt, though. He's like, oh, should I be doing that? Mm-hmm. But then he's like, yeah, I should. Yeah. Okay. So he kills her, but okay. he doesn't kill her either alone. Because one of the reasons why he came back was because Apollo... Um, the god of justice came to him and was like, okay, something not so nice happened. Maybe you should take care of this. Uh, So he was guided by Apollo to kill his mother. But now here is a tormented young man because he had to choose either to follow Apollo's guide and do what he says, which is kill his mother, Mm -hmm. or commit matricide and then have the wrath of the world following him around so it was like okay either way what's better yeah i'm like either way morally i'm kind of doomed so i'm just gonna follow what the god says and just see what happens then so he kills his mother but after that uh her mother had uh the furies 
uh, with her. So those those three uh, embodiment of like rage and uh, anger. And they start to torment, haunt, and pursue Orestes for years on end. So he is driven by, like, with insanity, like, pretty quick on. He cannot sleep. He's running away as much as he can, but they're restless. Like, they're just going to keep on pursuing him. Um, Apollo does feel kind of bad because he's like, mm, maybe that was my fault, mm. you know, back, back up there. Um, so at some point, he puts a spell on the Furies and they're able to fall asleep. So we uh, already talked about the first two plays of this trilogy, which were Agamemnon, Libation Bearers, and now we're going to jump onto the third and last play of this series, which is the Humanites. Uh, so basically, Orestes was being pursued by the Furies, and he was getting so tired. I would say verge of suicide. Like mm. he's done with it. He's going insane. He's not getting over the fact that he murdered his mother, although he never really met her and didn't know her. But this is very much haunting him, quite literally. We can look at the painting of Bugro, which represents uh, the torment that that he's in and the uh, furies looking over him and not letting him go. Uh, So what happens in the Humanites is that Apollo kind of starts to feel guilty about the fact that he's been haunted and tormented this way because he was the one telling him to kill his mother in the first place. So he's like, okay, it's a little bit my fault. So I'm going to do something to help a guy out. So what he does is put a, like, a momentary spell on the Furies, which causes them to go to sleep for a little while. While they're asleep, uh, Orestes is able to run away a little bit and he takes refuge in Athens. And while he's there, he's able to pray for Athena and he's like, help me out. I, I don't know what to do. I need help. So Athena comes down and she's like, okay, I've been looking at you, Risti, and this is a tough one that you got there. I don't know how to fix this for you. I cannot judge this. This is too weird for me. So she has this idea and she's like, we're going to have a trial, which was one of the first trial in history ever. So she... Uh, takes some people of Athene, like some citizens, and they're going to be basically jurors uh, sitting over there. And then she's going to have the Furies uh, judging and, or advocating against um, Orestes. And then Apollo is also coming down to help him out and judge mm. for, and like advocate for him. Uh, so there goes this huge trial and the Furies are like, he killed his mother. He's about one. Let, let's not let him go, basically. Yeah. And then Apollo is like, yeah, okay, but it's kind of my fault. And then he's like, also, is it really matricide? And then there's this whole story uh, that's mm. like very much patriarchal and misogynistic, which is uh, back in the days, and it was still in our um, social construct not so long ago, that... A mother is not very much of a parental figure. Only the father can claim a children as his child and to be okay. the parent. And the mother is just like the womb, basically. So they're like, if the mother is not really the parent, is it really matricide? So they're like, okay, it's just murder then. Uh, and then they're still arguing against that. The Furies are not having any of it. And then finally, the jurors say, it's equal. They... We don't know what to do. It's like neutral. We don't want him to be free. We don't want him to be in prison. Well, mm. meh. So then Athena is the one having the last word. 
and she decides because of the matricide not being a matricide to let him go. And she says that uh, the reason for it is that Orestes was avenging his father's death, whereas Clytemnestra was just doing it out of pure vengeance and that basically you should not be having justice for yourself. You should do it within like some sort of, she, with some sort of She loss. was avenging a daughter. Yeah, she was. <laughs> but women don't count. So. But women don't count back in the oh, day. So you know on. what? Yeah, so Orestes is finally set free. But that's not only the end, because as I said, it was the first trial ever. So because the Furies were super pissed about this trial, Athena proposed to them that they could stay in Athens and helped and from Furies become the Humanites, which means the kind ones. So they changed kind of their uh, representation of being super mean, cruel and vengeful and thirst of Mm. uh, vengeance uh, sort of thing to become those uh, representation of good morals and to help out someone. And this is how the Council of Athene births uh, in the first place and how we got kind of the democracy that we have as well. And this idea of a court of law proven uh, innocent until, like being innocent uh, until being proven guilty sort of thing. Presumption of innocence. Exactly. So... This is what happened to Orestes, and this is what has happened in the Orestia. Very symbolic. I mean, when you hear the summary like this, it's very easy to pinpoint, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the different feelings of, uh, um, you know, listening to an order. First of all, I think we all learned that you should not listen to the gods. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, make up your own mind, you know, making decisions, uh, wanting revenge and... Uh, you know, like being stubborn and believing in something yeah. so hard. Uh, and the Furies also. I mean, you can, uh, it's all um, metaphorical, right? Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then you can also see, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a gang of, of people there after you, after yeah. you've done something bad and they're, gonna, they're not going to stop down. until yeah. you're a dead man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Athene being the center of, um, you know, the justice and law and order and the balance, really. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very interesting. So, yeah, I I thought that would be interesting to just talk about. That was um place that really, really interested me when I was uh, studying archaeology mm-hmm. and uh, mythology and everything. And I, yeah, it was just quite interesting to... Uh, follow and learn about and like this was me like kind of going through it super fast and yeah. but it's so much more than what I just said like I would really recommend to looking into that uh, there are more modern plays um, about this uh, it is thought that Lady Macbeth was kind of inspired, um, inspired mm. by Clytemnestra so this has had a huge impact yeah. on our civilization and on the world yeah, it's some very interesting mm. books, but I, I, I mean, it's a recommendation, but it's not always easy to read them sometimes. Yeah. Uh, they can be quite long or they can be very mm-hmm. complicated, a lot of names you have to follow. Yeah, there's a lot of names, a lot of Weird like stuff. same names. <laughs> the Furies have like three different names by the end of the play. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's interesting. It's mm. very good. And I think you should uh, complement it with some pictures. As you said, there is some painting representations. Go yeah. to a museum. See, actually. Uh, yeah. Because most of them uh, have a painting for it. So Yeah, I would say so. Like um, classical mythology was 
one of the main themes uh, in art history back in the days. So yeah. if you think of a myth, there is going to be thousand paint a thousand of paintings uh, about it, and it's going to be wonderful classical mm. art. So. Yeah, it's very nice to be able to first enjoy uh, some sort of art and then know what it is all about because then you get the uh, point of view of the painters as well. Yeah. What what did they hear first? Uh, where did they take that one from? Because then there's a lot of um, interpretations as well going mm -hmm. through. So. You've been listening to a podcast from Snake Rikinovsk for Radio Nova.